All right, everybody. This is Bible Bunker, and it's just me, Zach. I'm recording this as I'm driving in a truck, looking out at the the wilderness. Um, and this week, I wanted to talk about line upon line, precept upon precept. It's from a verse in Isaiah where he talks about how to get closer to God, how God's wisdom um, starts very above us and then gets closer and closer and closer, and how God himself starts so far above us, so expansive, so uh, powerful and untouchable, and he gets closer and closer and closer. So I'm going to just talk about some examples on uh, when you read the Bible and you notice a theme, you notice something that keeps happening, pay attention to it. Uh, or if you notice an attribute of God that really sticks out to you, you will be able to find that attribute throughout the entire Bible. Um, like an example of that would be patience or withholding. And the first instance we see that is God makes everything, He rests, and He's got this one human, Adam, alone in all creation. And for a certain amount of time, everything's good, but then it says that it's not good for man to be alone, that Adam was lonely. He, there was something, even in the midst of perfection, in the Garden of Eden, um, that was missing. And so God brought before Adam every creature, and Adam named the creatures, and it's kind of like God's like, is this a suitable companion? Is this a suitable companion? And not in a weird way, um, but Adam's like, no, no, that doesn't quite cut it. I mean, that monkey looks kind of like me, but no, too hairy. Um, no, I don't, this is, you know, elaborating on the story, but, uh, so none was found to be a suitable helper for Adam, and so God puts him to sleep, takes a rib out, and creates from his rib, Eve, oh, here's an ambulance, Dear Lord, help whoever's in there. Um, so he, he makes woman, and Adam is blown away. It's the first poetry um, quotation that we have in recorded history. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he calls her woman, which means man, but with like a exclamation point, but or a different, like a wow, man. Um, so... With that first story, the question comes, why did God wait to give Adam something that he knew he would need in the first place? Why didn't God just make man and woman together? If he knew that Adam was going to be lonely, why didn't he give Eve to Adam as a, as a wife, as a companion, as a friend, right away? Why did he make Adam wait? And so if you start asking questions like that, you can go to another story, and Abraham is childless out in the desert, and he's been waiting his whole life, and he's given up on having a child, and he's out looking at the night sky, and God speaks to him, and he says, you'll have a son, and it says that Abraham in that moment believed and was counted as righteous. And then years pass, and nothing happens. There's even a point where... God tells Abraham, I am your shield and your very great reward. And instead of saying thanks, Abraham says, what do you mean? I don't have a child. I don't have this promised child. My servant is going to inherit everything. 
And so if God knew that this is my guy, Abraham, I'm going to make all nations blessed through him, I'm going to give him a child, why did he make Abraham wait for so long? Flash forward a few generations into the future. Um, Israel is now slave. A sla they're all slaves in Egypt, the Hebrews. And for 400 years, they have to wait. And we can assume that God wanted his people to be free. He didn't want them to be slaves. Um, and yet, he waits for 400 years to free them and bring them to the promised land. And then, just down the line with, why didn't he just give them a king to start with if he knew they were too weak just to follow him? Why didn't he give a judge to start with? Why, why doesn't he send the Messiah right away? And so you see, as you take that one little story in the beginning, why did he wait to give Eve to Adam to create a husband and wife? Why did he wait? It goes all the way to Jesus to cover the entire Bible. Why did God wait to send a Savior? Why didn't he just crush Satan right away? And we see Eve feels this. Um, after Cain and Abel, um, Cain kills Abel, then he leaves, she has no children, and her next, next son is named Seth, which means the one. Like, surely this is the one. And she's thinking, now God's going to crush the head of the serpent, because that's the prophecy. And of course we know it didn't happen for thousands and thousands of years. And we think, why do you wait, God? And the outworking of that comes in Jesus Christ, comes in the cross, comes in the reason that it's been 2,000 years and Jesus still hasn't come back the second time. Because he says, my house shall be full. Not might, not maybe, not, not even just, I want it to. My house will be full. God waits because there's still a seat at the wedding feast that's empty. And that person is not born yet who will live forever with Jesus in heaven as his bride. We see that God makes Adam wait to feel lonely so that he shouts out poetry when he sees her. There's an anticipation that comes with long-suffering, that comes with patience, that is so sweet, that, is so, that makes all the waiting worthwhile. And we were just at a Bible study last night, and uh, one of the guys was sharing kind of on this principle, this precept. Um, he's got several brothers and uh, sister, and they all got married very young, like to their high school sweethearts or close to it and it took him until he was 28 and I I remember just his struggle and impatience of, if God knows I want to be married why isn't he giving me this person very much like Adam I'm lonely and God knows that and I'm asking for a wife what, what's wrong with him um, and then he meets his wife and he said last night that I think it's all the sweeter that I had to wait that long and I love her so much more and I appreciate her so much. Not that he loves her more than his brothers who got married earlier, um, but he may appreciate it more and he may value it more right away rather than getting married young as kids and not really understanding that some people have to wait for this kind of love. Um, it's just a sweet theme and principle. And so that's an example on how to layer something like patience or long-suffering or why does God wait um, and it can go through every level from creation to a ch child being born to marriage to the salvation of all mankind so if you can think of other themes 
I, and it's true and it's good, I'm sure you can find it in the rest of the Bible. So there's a short example on how to build precept or principle upon principle. And now here's how you apply that is when you're asking God for something, when you're struggling with, with waiting, when you're trying to apply for a job and, and you're just not getting it, when you really want to be married and the person's just not showing up, um, when you want deliverance from a sin and it just seems like you can't get away from it. Uh, there is a process. There is a long suffering that is an attribute of God that we're meant to have too. We're meant to grow in that and we're meant to be in the wilderness and struggle and cry out and say, God, why? And then we find the reason and only after we've learned the lesson. And oftentimes um, these tests are not at all for other people. They're for us to see what's really on the inside. When we're really hit with something that rocks us, will we say, why God, how dare you? Or will we say, I trust you. I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna cling to you. I will not curse you. Like, like Just like the test of Job, God said, watch Job, he will not curse me. And he didn't. And we all get to see, the whole world got to see what was inside Job and it was the precious faith of God. So that's how you take a principle and layer it through. And you can find a lot of other ones. There's just the power of God. You can see the power of God throughout the entire Bible and layer it down to apply it to your life. You can see the mercy of God. You can see the compassion of God. When does he show compassion? And the first time we, we see his him showing compassion is, uh, let me think. Well, I think you could speculate that it's with Adam and he sees him lonely. But one of the first times he shows compassion is with um, Rahab, the maidservant of Sarah. When she becomes pregnant because Abraham and Sarah didn't trust God, they, Sarah says, well, I have a maidservant. Maybe the promised child will come from her. Let's fix this ourselves. Bad idea. Um, there's also a principle of humans trying to fix things for themselves that God had promised and really messing things up. But... Uh, so Rahab's out in the desert, and God shows compassion to her, and she names him, you are El Rawai, the God who sees. And you'll just find that all throughout, and then it'll really pop up when we get into the Gospels, and constantly it says, Jesus, when moved with compassion, did these miracles, or wept. Um, so the Bible will line up with itself. If there's something you think you've found in a verse that really hits you and is wonderful and beautiful, you're going to start seeing it everywhere. So that's how, kind of how line upon line and precept upon precept um, is throughout the Bible. And there's endless amounts of things. Every time I, I find one, it leads me to another one and another one. And you just go deeper. And there's a psalm that David says, as deep cries out to deep. There's just endless depths in God's Word. So I think my trip's about done. I'm about to get a haircut to go to a wedding. A wedding is also a precept, a principle, um, a practice that is all throughout the Bible. It begins with the marriage of Adam and Eve and ends with the marriage of the bride and the lamb. And there you go. That is line upon line and precept upon precept. God bless, guys.